Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Barbara P. and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, February 26th, and today we're reading from the big book. We're on page five, the fifth paragraph. Shortly afterward, I came home drunk, and we're just going through that one paragraph, ending with lack of perspective, seem near being just that. Today's readers are our 12 steps, Susan G., our 12 traditions, Tanya P., our readers of the text will be Erin K. and then our closing, Rick J. Trisha D. is backing us up. And then our newcomer greeter will be, I think, Jessica C., I believe. And then our host, Maria F., Kathy S., pulling up for announcements. Lots of volunteers this morning. Um, the reference number for yesterday, Sunday's special edition, is 21,167. 21167. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We're self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I'll now ask Susan G. from Tennessee to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Susan G. in Tennessee, uh, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Step two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Step three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Step four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Step five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Step six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Step seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Step eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Step nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to injure them or others. Step 10, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Step 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And step 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks for letting me be of service this month. I'll pass. Thanks so much, Susan G. in Tennessee. Tanya P., would you read our 12 traditions? Good morning. This is Tanya P., recovered in Michigan. 
And these are the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for allowing me to be of service, and I pass. Ah, thanks so much, Tanya P. from Michigan. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive readers our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. So today we're um, resuming our study of the big book on page five in Bill's story, fifth paragraph, beginning shortly afterward, I came home drunk and going through one paragraph, lack of perspective seemed near being just that. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and ask Erin Kay to get us started. Erin, please step up to the mic. Good morning, everybody. Erin Kay, recovered in Michigan. Shortly afterward, I came home drunk. There had been no fight. Where had been my high resolve? I simply didn't know. I hadn't even, it hadn't even come to mind. Someone had pushed a drink my way and I had taken it. Was I crazy? I began to wonder for such an appalling lack of perspective seemed near being just that. Yeah, was I crazy? Yeah, I really did question my own sanity at times. Um, 
when, you know, after every binge or even really during a binge, my brain felt hijacked, like someone had hacked into my CPU and taken control. Um, in, you know, the classic definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. But at one point I realized, you know, like kind of at the bottom of my binging that for me, the insanity of my addiction was that I, I knew exactly what I was doing to myself. You know, my, my bridge wasn't broken, but I was just powerless to stop. Um, and why, why was that? It was because, you know, the food was the only thing that I knew would give me a, a fleeting momentarily, momentary relief from the pain. And why was I in such pain? It was because I had an appalling lack of perspective, not so much about the food, but about my life. And that's what I've come to understand looking back in retrospect. I had an, a lack of perspective about my own life, about my role in it, about, you know, something would happen. And, you know, all I could see in a relationship was how, you know, everyone harmed me. And I didn't see my own role or the way that maybe I was contributing to negativity in a relationship. That's an appalling lack of perspective. You know, the fears that I had were so overblown that they were paralyzing me um, and dictating the way that I lived my life. That's an appalling lack of perspective. And I also, you know, I, I was trying to play God in my own life. That's an amazing of perspective. And the beautiful gift of recovery, of working with steps, of developing a relationship with a power that is greater than my own thinking, to quote another fellow I heard recently, is that it shifts that perspective back in mind so that I, I can somehow then maintain perspective on the consequences picking up a bite um, and one day at a time kind of keep my head screwed on straight and I think that's all I have on this one I will pass Erin Kay thanks so much for getting us started so we'll now take shares from from again anyone no abstinence requirements just please stay on topic and although we value your experience we ask that you limit your share to every third day in order that others might share their experience too these are three minute shares and I'll be timing um, so go ahead let me get a list of names Kristen, Kristen R Kristen was that Chris G from Tennessee yes. Okay, heard you. And then I'm sorry, who was Kristen R., Chris G.? Rick J. Rick, gotcha. Mitchell G. Mitchell, got you. Lauren Race B. Alec B. All right, I heard Alec. I think I heard Maura Z. Maybe? 
Did I hear you, Maura? Is that right? Well, I'll call on you, and if I did, I did. Um, and there was somebody potentially in there that I didn't hear. Mitchell, Maura, Alec, was there someone else? Lauren Grace B., New Jersey. Ah, oh, Lauren Grace, that's who I missed. I knew it. Yep, okay. All right, well, let's go ahead and stop there. Let me let me see what we have. So we are going to start with Kristen R. You'll be followed by Chris G. I'll give you the whole lineup. It's Rick, uh, Kristen, Chris G., Rick J., Mitchell G., I think Morrissey maybe, but if not, it's Lauren Grace B., that could be, and Alec. So Kristen R., you're up for three minutes. Kristen, star one, may have gotten remuted. Sorry about that. Um, Thank you, moderator, for your service. My name is Kristen R. I live in Virginia, and I'm a compulsive overeater. So this paragraph just jumps out at me today. Um, I have been in OA for 10 years, and consistently the only consistent thing I've done is continually seek justification for eating whatever I want Um, I've gone into different parts of OA I've I've I mostly just called people and and asked them to justify what I was eating when deep down inside I knew I was still addicted and I am still addicted Um, I haven't experienced real recovery because I haven't been able to put down the foods I am exactly like Bill. Someone just pushes a drink my way and I'm off to the races. Um, and I understand that, that mental blank spot. It's, it's just part of who I am. But I have to believe that listening to all of you, listening to, to speakers, listening to Larry Kay yesterday, I am, it is possible, it is possible that I can recover. I don't know how, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't, I don't even know how to do it. Even though I know all the steps by heart and the big book by heart, I'm still baffled. Um, but I'm hopeful because even though it's been 10 years, I've got, thanks for letting me share. Thanks so much. Kristen R. from Virginia and Chris G., you are up and followed by Rick J. Good morning. Thank you. Thank you for being here and doing service. My name is <clears throat> my name is Chris G. I spell it with a K, and I live in Tennessee. And I'm not going to talk very long, obviously. Okay. So, like, um, shortly afterward, I came home drunk. There had been no fight. Where was where had been my high resolve? Um, yeah, where my high resolve. Well, I I find that that um, if I look back. I wanted to figure it out. I wanted to figure out what the steps were, how they worked, how to, how, I wanted to make sense of it. I wanted to figure out, um, you know, what was wrong with my husband. I wanted to figure out, you know, what, uh, I wanted to figure it out. I wanted to ask, I wanted to ask the question, why, why, why? And, um, and so um, that's in the mind. It hadn't even come to mind. That's all in the mind. I was trying to solve a, a, a life problem with an intellectual answer, with a with a answer in how I could, you know, control it, how I could make it happen, what I could do, and um, so um, 
so I think I have to ask what what am I trying to do? I'm trying to lose weight, of course. Or I'm trying to, you know, look good. Or I'm trying to do this. And and so um I think um it's it's not so much about trying to be somebody different or trying to please others. It's more about accepting what is in a deeper level and accepting uh, you know, it is what it is. And and I don't have to understand why, but I certainly have to look at the, with, with new eyes at what I am doing and, and, and how I get from, how I get from thinking about doing something to doing something. And, and so I, 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 I ask God for guidance and I ask that I could um, see what, what is uh, the right thing to do instead of just thinking I know what is the right thing to do. Anyway, it's getting heavy, so I think I'll pass. Thanks, thanks, uh, and I look forward to all of your shares on this. Uh, thanks, Christy in Tennessee. Rick J in North Carolina, you're up, and you'll be followed by Mitchell G. Good morning, Barbara. My name is Rick Jackson. I am a covered compulsive overeater in Cary, North Carolina. Um, shortly afterward, I came home drunk. Uh, you know, afterward, after uh, after being through forever, you know, after Lois happily uh, observing that this time he meant business. You know, he was doing the high resolve now, that extra determination that, you know, I'm going to fight this. I want to give everything I've got. And then, you know, he just drinks again. And that was me. You know, I didn't realize that, you know, I was in the grip, uh, you know, of an addiction that I could not overcome on my own. You know, Levitt talks about later in the book, you know, this is the baffling nature of alcoholism as we know it. This utter inability to leave it alone, no matter how great the necessity or wish. It doesn't matter what I want. You know, when I'm in the grip, it's like being, you know, it's crossing the event horizon of a black hole. You know, it doesn't matter if you want to get back on the other side. You're done. You, you're in this grip. You're beyond human aid. And there's no return to human aid without spiritual help, um, which Bill doesn't know yet. But, um, you know, I, I love that, that, uh, you know, we get, we all get to a place of utter, you know, despair of, you know, powerlessness. You know, I'm, I'm beyond anything that I can do or anyone else can do. You know, that's the compulsive nature of this. There's an old saying, um, the, um, the man takes a drink, the drink takes a drink, the drink takes a man. And, you know, Bill is at that stage now where the drink is taking a drink. You know, it's beyond him now. And the only place for him to go is for, you know, for the drink to consume him, uh, just like with my food. And I, uh, I've i made so many, um, you know, solemn promises uh, you know, the oaths, the swearing off forever, all that stuff. Um, and, you know, then I would be right back into it. Um, you know, even an hour or two later, after I promised my son, I would never eat like that again. He caught me eating and I could just see that little light in his eyes go out, right. That the way he looked at me and 
felt about me had changed. He was seeing something that he didn't understand and it scared him with my eating. And I knew then that I, I was done. I mean, there was nothing I could do at this point except for come in, you know, work these steps with a recovered sponsor, you know, connect with my higher power on a daily basis. That's all I've got. I can say I'm recovered today because I do the actions in here and connect to my higher power, but I'll never be cured of this. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Rick J. North Carolina. Mitchell G., you're up. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for your service. Um, you know, we're around 10 weeks absent now, and um, this really is very uh, meaningful to me, this paragraph. You know, I'm in the process of really um, asking the higher power to help me concede to my innermost self that uh, I have no no power. and um, And this really, you know, it's important to me because, like as people mentioned, <clears throat> um, I'm driven beyond my will. And this is not a behavior modification program for me, or else I would have gotten it already. You know, I've tried, like everybody else, to manage and control in a million ways. And my wife's saying, oh, we're on vacation. You could have the gluten-free muffin, you know. <laughs> There's just no end to the creativity of rationalizations and justifications that uh, someone else can invite me to uh, experience. And so I'm, you know, in the process of kind of really uh, looking at this honestly, and I can, and um, I'm trying to integrate into the OA program, um, you know, and um, one of the things I'm kind of confused about, you know, I'm in the beverage program for many years and a devoted member of it. And, um, you know, in that program, if I want to pick up a drink, um, I could call somebody anytime, anywhere. That's the way we. That's the way we roll. And um, I haven't quite found myself uh, either willing or found people that I feel like if I'm feeling urges, which I do at times, to uh, reach out if it's uh, not at two in the morning. So I'm praying for more willingness. Um, I do in my conversations and listening to this meeting a couple of days a week see the reality that. Um, uh, of waking up from this trance because the condition is in my mind that creates this complete uh, unawareness because I have an illness. It's not because, and I'm still kind of going through the, you know, realization that it isn't my fault um, that I have this illness. Um, it's intergenerational in my family and, um, and the appalling lack of perspective is not mine. It's a condition. And so I'm just kind of uh, learning uh, that my about all this. Um, so thanks. Thanks very much, Mitchell G. Maura Z, I, this may be my imagination. Did you put your name in? Yes, I think I was imagining things. Lauren Grace B., you are up. Let me just actually remind folks where we are. Page five, fifth paragraph. Shortly afterward, I came home drunk, reading just that one paragraph. So Lauren Grace B., you are up. Good morning, everybody. I'm Lauren Grace B., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. So glad to be on the meeting this morning. And the line that hit me was... uh, lack of proportion. Um, 
I was originally recovered two years ago in April, and my family, uh, we went on a trip to Santorini, which was absolutely magnificent. And I had a lack of proportion when I was sitting, eating breakfast right on the waterfront and um, thought I could take a, a small sip of um, of uh, orange juice, even though it's not on my food plan. Fresh squeeze, how could I turn it down? And then I had a lack of proportion when um, I decided I would eat some sausage and bacon because there was sugar in those most likely and that's not on my food plan, those kinds of foods. And throughout the trip, I never binged, um, I never ate dessert, but it was just a slippery slope because I was not considering that this is a deadly disease. This is a progressive disease and a serious disease. And so it felt okay to make those small concessions and by the time I was on my way home I was eating uh, the airplane food the meal that they had given me even though I had something else in my backpack because I was tired and it was it was hard to get to it and it wasn't something that I wanted um, a total lack of proportions so now I work my program differently instead of working my program around my vacation I work my vacation around my program um, and you know we we get we work this spiritual program and it gets beyond the food, but the food is still important. We still need to do what we have to to stay abstinent and clear-headed because uh, when we don't, when it's a lack of proportion, it always leads to a bad place. If I give myself an inch, I'll take a mile. And um, so I need to be willing to go to any lengths at this time to be sure that I can work my food wherever I am and, um, and by God's grace, I'll be able to do that one day at a time. And that's all I have. Thanks so much. Oh, thanks very much. Lauren Grace B. And Alec, you are up. Please let us know your last initial and where you're from. And then I'll be taking another list of names right after Alec. So Hi, good morning. This is Alec D. from St. Louis. Can I be heard? You sure can. Great. St. Louis, Missouri. Alec B. Um, yeah, so I'm a, a recovered for today, compulsive overeater and restrictor, and I, I just so identify uh, with this reading um, because it just took me so many times of making that resolution like we heard about on Friday, saying this is it, and I'm going to, with my own intelligence and my own willpower, come up with a plan and execute that plan, and it's all going to work out, and I'm going to be free of this, and I'm not going to have to sponsor anybody, and I'm not going to have to keep going with this, these steps and be able to get in and get recovered and get out and, and get away from, from people who need this sort of stuff, right? That's my own uniqueness. And so what a grace it was that that didn't work. That while there are so many things in my life I want to control and I want to think that I'm competent to handle and that I can govern, this thing, the simple for me at the time, humiliating and humbling uh, reality of food and body was too much for me, that I lost, right, that I lost to this. And that was so important that I had uh, to surrender. And what is surrendering? It's lifting up that white flag. It's like, I can't do it. My plan, my project, my self-will was not, is not enough that the only thing I could do, even, even when I was trying to listen to a sponsor and I wasn't being honest with myself and I wasn't being honest with him and I wasn't being honest with God, I had to just 
ultimately be stripped of all of that and stand before this reality of this disease in my own impotence and my own humility and say, okay, God, I need you to heal me. I need you to free me. I need you to take this from me. And it was only by, by putting that choice into action through following these steps, especially the, the 10th and 11th step, especially committing to prayer in a particularly vulnerable way, especially being obedient to God and to my sponsor and to this program, that I was able to find the freedom. And so I see, again, the grace is not only in the recovery, but in the disease itself. Because what did it do? It revealed to me my own humanity, and it revealed to me this God whose name is Mercy and who is so close that he cares about what I eat, cares about what I think my body wants to free me from shame, free me from anxiety, free me from what holds me back, and give me a new life. And so here I am, living in recovery, helping others, um, because I made the plans, and I made the projects, and they failed. And it was in that failure, in that weakness, in that cross, you could say, that there was new life and there was freedom. And so I'm so grateful for that. I'm grateful to be here every day. And I know that it has to be day by day because I could pick up later today if I, if, I, if I don't stay surrendered. And so here I am surrendering again by acknowledging that I'm Alex B. in St. Louis, Missouri, and I'm a compulsive overeater. And I'm so glad because of each of you and because of God that I am recovered today. And so with that, I pass. Thanks, Alex B. in Missouri. So we're going to go ahead and take another list of names. So who else would like to share on this paragraph? Marie Boston. Okay. Marie in Boston, Baltimore. Carly F. from Colorado. Carly. Gwyneth W. Georgia. Gwyneth. Marcy D. Wait, I'm sorry. There's one other person after Gwyneth, and I missed you. Like S, maybe? But gotcha, Batia. Thank you. Let me tell you who I have. Marie, Batia, Carly, S, Gwyneth in Georgia. Who'd I miss? No, there were some other voices. I'm so sorry. So far, Marie, Batia, Carly, and Gwyneth. Okay, we can stop there, and then I'll, we'll have time for some more. So, Marie in Boston, you go ahead for three minutes, and you'll be followed right. by Batia. Good morning. So, I, I'm new. I've been in the program for a few weeks. Uh, in God's hand, I've always had a strong faith, a strong trust. Um, so, yeah, just a couple of weeks, and I, um, I'm so thankful. I never heard of this program. I turned 65 right in February, and so what hit me, oof, was home. Like I didn't get past home drunk, and my whole body is like shaking. Um, you know, uh, like my dad came home drunk, and you know, um. I'll just say vaguely, a tremendous amount of violence, trauma. So, you know, why did I overeat? Um, That had a huge part. But the thing um, that I'm loving about this program is I think it's extremely healing on top of, like, for me, I've done Al-Anon. I've done decades of 
therapy I've, I've, I really have. I've, so I'm kind of shocked that when it starts off and just is home drunk that my whole body is shaking because I feel like, you know, I've dealt with this. I've healed, but obviously I haven't. Um, and, you know, my dad, he was hopeless. And then it was my brother, my nephews. And the good news is, oh, me and my dad, um, absolutely hopeless case, all of them. There were, you know, my dad's gone for a long time, but he got sober, which was, that was a miracle. And we became, after some time, best friends, golfing buddies. So there's, I'm always hopeful, even for hopeless. I mean, se severe. Anyway, um, I am so thankful for OA. I got a sponsor. I got my food plan. I'm working hard with God. And just, I'm going to pass with that. Thank you. Thanks, Marie. What's there, your last initial so people can find See? you on the list? See, I don't think I'm on the list. And I put myself on the list. Marie T is in Tom. Okay. All right. Well, and when our newcomer greeter comes on, Susan SH, you can um, you can always step in then and give us your name and number so that people can see so you can start to make connections. Okay, Fatia M, you're up next, and you'll be followed by Carly S from Colorado. Fatia. Good morning, everyone. Um, this is Fatia in Baltimore, and boy, am I compulsive. Overeater, overthinker, and 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 it's not going to change. The disease is there, whether my face is in the food or not. And what always hits me is there was no fight. There was no fight. Back in the day, I used to cruise the aisles in the supermarket. And blithely grab a bag of something crunchy and look at it. And to myself, I would say, a dollar's worth of death. Death. I, I, I don't want to die. So why am I grabbing on to this? I'm holding on to this. So um, that's the disease the compulsion, the itch. I don't want to live that. And today I don't have to go up and down the aisles. A boy, oh boy, a dry piece of cracker that's on my food plant can sure excite me and grab it uh, a quarter ounce worth of death. Well, where does this come from? This is the sickness. And I call it death because I know it's not good for me. It's not good for my physical being. It's not good for my spiritual being. It, there's nothing good for it when it's not written down or committed that I will eat it as part of a healthy food plan. I have to say this over and over and over to myself. There is no fight. There was no fight. Just all of a sudden, that idea came in. I am Jim. Yeah, the whiskey. If I add a little bit of milk, uh, add it to a little bit of milk, yeah, then fine. It'll be good. Where did these thoughts come from? They come from the, the 
the 60-some years I've been on this earth and in charge of putting things in my own mouth of my own volition. And if I think that I'm going to be able to handle it in one minute, one week, one month, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm just deluding myself. I am so grateful for finding the program because it's a workable solution to taking away my inability to even see that I'm not fighting. So thank you, everybody. Thank you for the fight. And I pass. Thanks, Badia from Maryland. Carly S. from Colorado, you're up. You'll be followed by Gwyneth, and then we'll be taking more names. And just a reminder to everybody, we're on page five, fifth paragraph, uh, beginning with, shortly afterward, I came home drunk. Just reading that one paragraph. Carly, you're up. Hello. Thank you, everybody. It's um, Carly F. as in Frank. I'm from Colorado. I'm a newly acknowledged uh, compulsive overeater. Um, what strikes me on this, and this is my first meeting, so I uh, thank you everyone for your service and your sharing. Um, th- what struck me on this paragraph is where had been my high resolve? I think probably all of us can recognize the pattern. I wake up every morning, like I'm going to do it today. Today's going to be my day. And then around that certain time of day, um, certain uh, path to the refrigerator just kind of is overworn, right? And uh, I just sort of, by habit, without even thinking, go do um, eat secretly and the thing foods I shouldn't eat. And so I do it for lots of reasons. Um, and I'm, I'm just now at the stage where I'm um, learning to surrender, like, and I just can't do it on my own, right? So I really appreciate some of the previous shares about um, really giving over everything to the higher power. Like, I, I can't just hold on to certain things, you know, like I want to. Um, and I cannot do this on my own, but um, but I just I, I I appreciate this sentiment in this paragraph where it was someone just pushed pushed something my way and I taken it without even thinking. You know, I think my my brain is so downgraded and so um, hooked on certain things that I just need to I need that cleanse. I need I need that um, I well I need the higher power right to to say you know what I I. I can stop and I'm with, with help. And, um, you know, I just, I really resonate that. Um, and I also resonate with the, was like crazy. Right. Um, um, then, you know, of course, after, after you do that, the guilt comes, right. And what was I thinking and why can't, you know, what's wrong with me that I can't just put this thing down. I mean, it's, it's, I'm, I'm a lot bigger than this thing, you know, this piece of not my food, right. That, um, that I just keep putting in my mouth and, but I can't just have one, right? So anyway, um, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you, everyone. Thanks so much. Carly F. from Colorado. Gwyneth from Georgia, you're up, and then we'll be taking more names. Juicy paragraphs, so hopefully, hopefully well, it should have time for three or four. Gwyneth, you go right ahead, though. Thanks. Can you hear me? Yeah, sure can. Okay. Great, thanks. Um, this is Lynette. W-L-Y-N-N-E-T-H, Lenneth W. in Georgia. Uh, um, thankfully thankfully uh, for today, a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, the, some of the things that popped out to me in this paragraph were the word crazy 
and um, how before working the steps, how I was crazy. I would swear off um, all the things that I already knew. My brain already knew I shouldn't eat and my body knew I shouldn't eat. And I'd swear it off the night before. And that next morning, there I go again, going through a drive-thru and buying as many of those sugary, fatty foods as I could. And it was like, uh, you know, I'd had a brain, a memory wipe and um, that I had no idea that I had sworn off those foods. Um, My car just drove automatically through the drive-thru. I had no control. And I'd swear it off again as I felt lousy after eating that on the way to work. And there I'd go hitting the snack machine. And it's just this never-ending cycle. And how exhausting that was to have that experience of being miserable, feeling crazy, swearing off all the, the food that was bad for me and made me feel like crap and not being able to do anything about it. And it took took me a long time before I was willing to really take that first step. And I'd been in OA for 16 years, in and out. Um, and I just became so desperate. I was done, and I was willing to do whatever it took. And um, And it helps me to remember that crazy and how terrible I felt. And I'm thankful for passages like this that point that out to me on a daily basis. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Great. Thanks so much, Lyneth W. And thanks for the correction. So we can find you, Lyneth, L-Y-N-N-E-T-H. So, um, okay, we have room probably for at least four more. Who would like to share? Marianne N. from Michigan. Gotcha, Marianne. Ruvane from Israel. Ruvane from Israel. Is that JR? I'm sorry, I heard JR. Was that Lisa? Yes. Amy G. And Amy G. Got you. Okay, we're going to stop. Oh, yeah, I'm so sorry. We... Yeah, got you, Ruvane. No problem. So you're second on our list. You do welcome. So good. Okay, yeah, great. yeah, got you on the list. You, we've got room. So I, what, who I have is Mary Ann M., Ruvane from Israel, Lisa JR, and Amy G. So Mary Ann, you're up. Marianne M. Marianne, star one. Oh, sorry. I thought I had unmuted. Um, it's Marianne oh, there you M. Go. Nancy. Hi. Can you hear me now? Yeah, sure can. Okay, thank you. Um, so, yeah, I've been back in program like many that have already spoken, you know, um, newly surrendered, working with a recovered sponsor um, for three weeks. And I had just read this, well, uh, early in that three-week period, I read this and underlined a bunch of things in this paragraph and wrote in the column next to it, you know, where it says, where had been my high resolve, I wrote willpower and put in parentheses, ha-ha. Um, and then I also wrote mental blank spot because it says it, it hadn't even come to mind. So I, I'm just, you know, every time I read this book, which has been a, a few times, I feel, I feel like they put in different words 
and the word or the words mean something different to me and it just later later on in the book it sort of underlines the fact that um resolve and willpower are not the way that I've ever been able to put down food I you know I could stop but I couldn't stay stopped and so now the difference in my program and my you know I've thrown those lifelong conceptions out the window the ones that tell me just do it like Nike or you know um, what I've been told my whole life since I was a very little child that you can do this yourself you don't need help with this and um, I've thrown myself on the mercy of or in the um, maybe mercy isn't the right word but I've um, I've you know opened myself up to being part of the collective group rather than a single person trying to white knuckle through um, what is a very horrendous uh, disease. So um, I'm really grateful for the book. I'm really grateful for Vision for You. And with that, I pass. Great. Thanks, Marianne N., like Nancy. And Ruvain, you're up from Israel. Thank you. Uh, Ruvain, recovered compulsive overeater from uh, Israel, grateful to be here. Grateful. Thanks, everybody, for your service. Um, you know, I'm having a, a, there's a strong identification um, and um, with the idea that Bill is seeing in his process um, that it didn't take long to go from I'm not going to to taking. Um, that's been my experience. That's been what happened to me. Um, no fight, um, just taking it, um, high resolve. Um, I thought I had high resolve at times and I did, but high resolve I've come to understand and learn is not enough. It never was. Um, and I think for me, the crucial thing here is was I crazy? Um, and I, I don't, it didn't really sink in a hundred percent that it's not about uh, being crazy. I mean, it's a crazy way to solve a problem, um, but it is more so a sick way to cause a problem. And it's coming to understand that there's no shame about that I have this sickness. I have this illness. Um, and I don't have a perspective on it. And uh, what has changed for me um, is um, the identifying for myself, and I had to, had took honesty um, in this program, is that step one, that there are foods, there are substances, as there are some thoughts and actions and behaviors, but and primarily uh, the initial focus is on the substances that trigger my sickness to want more without being able to stop. And it doesn't matter necessarily how it got there, but this is my sickness, it's my illness, or it's my condition. And I'm either going to treat it or not, but I have to know that it's my illness, it's my sickness, it's my condition. Um, and then two, 
that my way is not working, so I need to find another way. And that's why the doctor's opinion is so important too, which we read earlier, which tells me that, that A, you can believe the people that have gone through the experience, the first hundred, you can believe them. And there is a physical part and there is a spiritual part that must Hi. be addressed. So step two for me, thank you very much. And uh, I'm very grateful for um, my um, uh, being a recovered compulsive overeater today. Thank you. Thanks for Vane from Israel. Lisa J.R., you're up for three, and then we'll have Amy G. Thank you so much. Um, this is Lisa J.R. outside the Baltimore Beltway. Um, keeping it green with this early part of the book. Man, I love it, love it. So I hope I keep it short. Um, you know, identifying in with Bill, you know, um, the story of my life, going to bed with the conviction um, that I must stop compulsively eating and then waking up with this high resolve um, to do it right today, you know. And then I walk out the door and the stresses of life happen and I get restless, irritable, and discontent. And then I justify and rationalize uh, taking something that I'm allergic to and it absolutely neutralizes the truth um, in my life. Uh, I can't hear the truth. I can't. Uh, I don't know what the truth is. You know, I, um, I'm, I've become a subject of King Cupcake. So basically, I've acquiesced to the wrong God in my life. Um, instead of God, uh, I, I turn to uh, become the subject of, of, of food. So, you know, thank God, um, you know, he snatched me out of the jaws of death. Um, and he did that by using you guys and your, your testimonies. Um, testimonies are, are strong witnesses of the truth. And um, it's, it saved my life. So, um, you know, because I was, I, I think I was really flirting with becoming a flat out psychopath. And, um, you know, delusional, deranged, the whole nine yards. Um, so, and I'm sure you know, many of you relate to that, but I am just grateful that we're in this part of the book to keep it green. So thanks for letting me share. Thanks, Lisa J.R. from Baltimore. And Amy G., you're up. Good morning. Thank you for your service. Good morning, everyone. My name is Amy G. I'm a covered compulsive reader from Maryland. Um, What a great... What a great paragraph. I mean, I, I don't think I'm saying anything new, but as they say, repetitions of father are learning. I think the scariest part of me, for me in, in this process, is that when I came to Overeaters Anonymous and I heard Compulsive Overeater and I wanted to stop and then found even in Overeaters Anonymous, I couldn't stop. And for me, I was unable to grasp the idea that knowledge, human experience, willpower, intelligence, social status, standing, whatever, none of that meant anything in, in, in trying to combat this illness. And I didn't grasp the idea of the physical allergy and the mental obsession. I mean, like Bill, how many times did I stand in front of the buffet, you know, five bites into a binge going, how did I get here with everything that I knew, right? 
You know, why, why, how do I rationalize sticking my finger down my throat? I mean, the insanity of the illness, the mental twist, the mental obsession, physical allergy, mental obsession. Yes, I have a physical allergy. I, my body is not the same as others in how I metabolize, metabolize my certain substances. But this, at the heart of this illness is the spiritual malady because of the way that I'm living my life and how I expect my life to be and selfish self-absorption and bondage to self that leads me to be restless, irritable, and discontent. The mental obsession drives me to the food and the physical allergy kept me there. And it was that type of year after year in Overeaters Anonymous that finally I understood the true nature of my powerlessness and that I could not fix myself. And that in actuality, my thinking was a liability, that I would make it worse. I would be able to rationalize the most insane behavior when that mental twist came about and that mental obsession. I'm so grateful I have a way out because... Those years, every bite, every binge built the foundation of a bottom that made it very clear to me that I would never be able to fix myself. I couldn't, I won't, and I still can't. And I'm so grateful, grateful, grateful that I know that. Because when I knew that, and I know that, I can make a choice today. And that's a choice only me, myself, and I can make, which is to surrender to this program, connect to higher power, my, my God, through the process of working these steps every single day. And then I got all the power I need to combat this disease. And with that, I'll pass. Amy G., thanks so much. And we have about a minute, a minute, minute and a half, if anybody would like that. Time for a short share. Anybody? Uh, This is Tricia D. from Georgia. Priscilla H., Okay, Tricia, you go right ahead, and Priscilla, stand by if you can for the next hour. All righty. Tricia, you go Um, ahead. Thank you, Barbara. Thank you for your service. Tricia D., compulsive eater. And when I see here, where had been my my high resolve? I didn't know. What I relate to so strongly in this paragraph is the I. I kept thinking I could do it on my own until I realized that I had no power and I kept trying over and over again and you know this broken brain as we've been talked about but my my dilemma is my lack of power and I needed a psychic change and this is where I you know I have kept relapsing and relapsing in a way since 2010 and finally when I realized that it's only having an intimate deep spiritual relationship with my higher power who I call God is when all of a sudden I had the grace and the strength to start surrendering to his will and not mine. And that's what brought um, relief for me in, from this deadly disease that I'm so grateful I have because it keeps me closer to my higher power. And it keeps me staying in the present moment and just living in the now. So thank you for letting me share, but I am so grateful to this program and I just encourage all newcomers to please Keep coming back. It works if you work it. And um, thanks, Barbara, for your service. Uh, thanks, thanks, Trisha D. in Georgia for closing us out. And thank you to everyone who shared. And also a heartfelt thanks to the February Monday team. You were awesome. 
So please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. Today's um, share ID for anyone who wants to re-listen or give it to friends is 21168, 21,168. That's today, February 26th. So we'll now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Uh, will Rick J. please read a vision for you, starting with our book is meant to be suggestive only through keep you until then. Hey, thanks, Barbara. Rick J. again, a recovered compulsive overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We will be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you. Well done.